And we are live. Uh, what's up, everybody? This is Peter, aka Not Ghost Stories, back with season three, episode one of Creators Unplugged. Today, I have with me one of my best friends. Um, we go way back to Mrs. Johnson's third grade class where we sang a lot. I wish we still did that in school. Uh, he is a an avid fan of Dungeons and Dragons, a uh, dungeon master player. Um, I would say at this point you're probably a collector, if not competitor, um, or rather collector and competitor in the Magic: The Gathering world. Still, uh, not as much as since I had to uh, start working weekends, and it's a little hard to competitive with work weekends because one of the tournaments are. I was a avid competitor at one for yep. that yeah or do you still collect i do okay. i do okay. it's called cardboard crack for a reason right um yeah as far as magic the gathering goes so big and a gamer hand, hands mm-hmm. down a gamer through and through uh one of my best friends uh give it up for cody aka the donut master with an a what up everybody um if you don't mind telling uh telling everybody a little bit about yourself um, and actually, I would say that you're probably the first guest on the show that I would call you a content creator, but is none of it's posted publicly. So what would you even call that? Just like a creator, but privately, like you don't make stuff for the internet necessarily, but you're always doing stuff kind of in this world, in this realm, outside of it. So big gamer, always involved in people's streams. You know, you're you're writing uh you're writing campaigns for Dungeons and Dragons, which is definitely a creative outlet, um, things like that. So uh, just tell everybody what you're working on, uh, not necessarily where they can find you outside of like discords and gamer tags. If you want to throw that out there, you're, you're welcome to. Um, and what's uh, what you've been working on? Uh, just a little this, little that. Uh, like you said, I've been. I've recently got back into working on my own D&D setting slash campaign, and that's been a lot of fun as a creative outlet. Uh, the group I play with on Tuesdays, we're about to finish up the current campaign we're in, and our DM at the time wants to take a step down and be a player, so I offered up my kind of setting for that, and they all seem excited about that, so that's driven me to be more creative in that outlet. Um, yeah, I just... I I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a content creator, uh, but definitely have in this space of video games and playing with friends and hanging out with friends been a creator i've created a bunch of play dnd classes i've helped uh friends design their own worlds i've helped friends uh design their own classes and race and stuff uh, but yeah no I, i'm donut master with an a uh find me on discord uh find me on uh battle net uh, you can reach out through me through Not Ghost Stories Discord. Uh, more friends means more people to play games with, you know. And like Ghost Story said, we go way back. We've been what friends for twenty three years. That's too long. Twenty is it twenty three years? I stopped counting, man. After about birthday twenty seven, I was like, I think I'm done. I'm not keeping track of time anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I hear you on that. Uh, we old now. Uh, are we old now? Uh, middle aged. We're middle aged. We're seasoned. Middle aged. Yeah, we're middle aged. Thirty something. We're middle aged. I mean, we're entering that realm, right? Oh, I didn't think about that. 
we're not old yet, and we're not like adults, but we're definitely entering that middle aged realm. Right? I saw I saw a random TikTok where it was about Jersey Shore, and it was it's not a show that I watched, but it, they are like fun to sure. watch if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and in the there was some kind of conflict with two of the people on a boardwalk, and one of the uh, female stars I can't remember her name. Um, she goes. She says something to the the guy that was with her, like, "Oh, don't worry about that guy. He's like 30. And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> oh yeah, they said well, think it like, that, like that with like death, right? Like, oh look at that guy. He's probably 30. And I was like, "Oh." Well, do you remember us in our 20s? We thought 30 year olds said it figured out. No one has it figured out. <laughs> That's I, I don't know. I don't. Know. I, I will say my parents. I think they have figured it out. They figured hey, it out. How long did it there take? That, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Know. It depends on what you mean by figuring it out. Like, depends on what you mean by figuring it out. I don't know if I have a definition yet. I don't think anyone does. I think I think the best thing to do when it comes to that is always find something you need to figure out. Mm-hmm. Ne- never mm-hmm. stop searching for that next mystery. Mm-hmm. Right? Is you know? that how you design your campaigns? Uh, I well, yes, but. I think a lot of my campaign, like the one I'm working on now specifically, is I've always played D&D and played role-playing games, uh, and I love it. But my biggest gripe with D&D especially has always been like, at one point you become these super powerful characters, right? Like, guys can call well, them meteors. I've never made it. That's true. That's true. You've killed me a few times. I Hey, I did not kill you. You I, killed you. Okay? I mean, okay, I just deliver the consequences of my player's action. I don't like that. Right? That's that's <laughs> that's just what it is. Uh, but like I said, like you become these super powerful characters at a certain point, and Are I've you, always felt like. Do you, have, do you have a headset on? Sorry. I do. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, that you, but yet the fact that you're these super powerful characters never seems to impact the world, right? Like. That's an adventuring party of like the super powerful wizard, super powerful sorcerer, super powerful fighter. Like, but yet you go into a town, they're all like, "Oh yeah, that's just a normal Tuesday group." Like that doesn't seem right to me. And so, one of the big focuses I'm, on the campaign I'm kind of right now is that as the players get more and more powerful, the forces of the world start to take notice, and they now have to engage in these. I guess I would say world politics because they're they'll reach a point where they can affect world politics by just choosing to do this thing right and so i've always been interested in that kind of idea is how how you take players that are these super powerful people but then you have to put them in morally ambiguous situations right it's another thing with D is a lot of stuff i remember playing um campaigns were kind of black and white right you're the good guys these are the bad guys and i like the idea of throwing players in these morally gray ambiguous situations where they have to make hard choices and i think it helps players immerse themselves in their character right because then they have to project their own sense of morality or they have to take a step back and address their character morality so like, that's kind of what i'm like what like Give me a scenario so so one of the scenarios that uh happened in the, in uh, a group a while back was um they came to, they were, they basically 
project themselves as this mercenary company that were up for hire. They liked making gold. They had an idea of building a base and getting followers and all this other stuff. And they got offered this like lucrative contract by this empire. And the empire is like, hey, we're going to go take over this like nation of bandits and pirates and thieves. Uh, we need, we want to pay you. And they offered a very lucrative contract. And the players said yes. And then as the players are going through, they're fighting these, what they think are bandits. And they're winning these fights because it's not very hard. But they they learn later on that as the Empire's armies come behind them, it's scorched earth almost. They're enslaving people. They're burning houses down and town down. And so all the players have to take a moment and be like, uh, what? And it turns out the that if they, I gave them a choice there, they can break their contract and fight for the little guy. But what happens if they defeat the Empire's army, right? What's going to protect the Empire from falling apart from its enemies now going, oh, they're weakened, we're going to invade. You have a bunch of people. So it's like your actions have consequences that you might not even see. And I, I think it's a very cool dynamic to explore with D&D. Hmm. So when you're designing campaigns first of all how many campaigns would you estimate that you've made or uh, if that's the right word yeah one completely by myself i'm working on it and i so one there and i probably have done helped three or four other ones so when you're designing campaigns are you designing it with the players in mind um so you know, when we had our brief run in when we were playing, I imagine a campaign that that group was on was considerably simpler, easier than maybe the people that you play with regularly. Uh, I would say personally, I am not doing that with the current campaign I'm designed by myself, but that has come up in previous campaigns I've helped with. Uh, and the reason being is, uh, I think you should, as a DM especially, um, you should be able to adapt to your player base, right? Because the more you play, the better players are going to get. So if you're trying to do some super complicated things, you're just going to have to trust that you're, that people will eventually get to that point, or you have to handhold them to that point. And I think you should have these overarching ideas, but you should allow your campaign to also change based on the player's decisions. Right. So if your players are you're trying to design this campaign where you're going to eventually move your players into running a, this own country, for instance. Uh, what if your players don't want to do that? Then you have to understand that, like, OK, these players don't want to do that, but I still it, you can now pivot and have them maybe change and decide that they're going to do something different, but still bring it back to your original overarching idea. I think you should allow when designing campaigns allow flexibility for dms or even yourself to adapt certain aspects that you want to play to your player base hmm. yeah that's again that's just what i think and i'm just one man so you so you've designed from scratch fully one campaign how long was that one uh it's the one i'm currently working on and if group plays it it has the potential to go for as long as we want it to go um it can i don't design i have a i have an end in a beginning and kind of like a mid 
but I don't design like this will take months or this will take right, six months. Right. Because you can't I really don't, control. Right. Yeah. And I don't want to force people to play at a pace that's not their own because players are prime example of D D players is the scene from Pirates of the Caribbean where Calypso gives Johnny Depp uh character the jar of dirt. And he goes, right. And he, but he initially goes, it's just a jar of dirt. And she goes, well, if you don't want it, I'll take it back. And he's like, no, it's my jar of dirt. That's D and D players in a nutshell. You'll give them something. And they'll be like, is this just a rock? That's actually a great, that's actually a great, uh, comparison. Right. It's a really good good way to, and, and if I give any on, on this whole designing DM campaign, if I give any DMs trying to start out there, um, any advice, and it's that your players will fuck up your idea of what you want your campaign to do. Accept it and roll with it. Because they now will that's, pick one but, of- but you're not supposed to have, as a DM, you're not supposed to have any kind of like reaction or emotion to what their decisions are. I mean, sure, it's case by case, but realistically... I, I disagree. I think okay. Okay. as a DM, you can have an emotional reaction to whatever they choose to do. The, the, the emotion I think you should never have is frustration. You should never be upset or frustrated that your players aren't doing what you want them to do, right? You should never be like, there's a joke among D&D groups that I played in, and it's occasionally when the, you feel like the DM is trying to force you guys to do something, you're going, chugga chugga choo choo! Because it's like your DMs trying to put you on rails, right? You should allow your players, because as a player, being forced to do things makes me not want to play. You should, you should also, as a DM, understand your group and know how to drop plot hooks. But if you're starting out, don't be afraid to, to mess up, right? Like, you're going to mess up, and players are going to call you on it. They love to. So you just got to be able to roll with the punches. I think. Um, that you should just be able to, like I said, roll with the punches and just improv. Improv is your best friend as a DM. I can't tell you how many times I've made stuff up on the spot that's been good. It's actually like being the DM I would say in in some ways is kind of like streaming. And I know that's some, you know, people are going to be like, no, don't like make compare it or make it the same. But it, in a way, it's like you're you're driving the ship of entertainment because it's entertainment, it's right? Like it is. You're doing it for fun, um, and you have a plan. The plan does not always go as planned. Uh, you know, like you have your <clears throat> you have your set. It's it's different in that sense of like as a streamer. You know, I try to come up with a plan of like, hey, I'm going to play this game. I'm going to try to accomplish this in this game by this time. But you never know what's going to happen. Um, you're driving this boat. You're trying to keep a handful of folks entertained with what you've created uh, from your, you know, like what you've created for them yep. for the sake of entertainment. And they're putting their trust and time and energy into, the, into you. Uh, like, do you feel like as a DM... Who does it regularly? I don't know how actually how long you've been playing D and D. How long you've been playing D and D? Since high school. Okay. So, with that much experience under your belt, do you feel like there's a sense of responsibility of 
you know, I doubt people pay to play with you, but like, there's no mm-hmm. money involved, but they give you your time, which is more valuable. So, you know, correct. Like, do you feel like a responsibility? Like, Hey, I've got these people, even if it's one or two people and you go, I've got a responsibility tonight to, to do that. Or is it more casual than that? Um, personally, uh, it's a little column A, little column B. So I can point to one experience, uh, in one of the groups I was playing in, we were rotating DMs. Someone would tell part, of, and we were creating an overarch story campaign world while we all were just kind of shifting episodes essentially. And I tried to do this, tried to write my own mechanic for like this siege that the players had to go defend, like a breach of the wall and all stuff. And it turned out horribly, absolutely atrocious, terrible, just awful. And I felt so bad because I was like, you came here to have fun and play, and like you said, they trusted me with their time, and they wanted to be fun and entertaining, and I just delivered a steaming pile of garbage, and I felt like I wasted their time. Now, luckily at that time, I had a group of people that were like, nah, man, it wasn't the best, but it's fine. We enjoyed it, <laughs> blah, 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 right? Like, right? And like, that's a big thing also is like, yes, there's that expectation, I feel, as a DM that like delivers something that's good and worth their time because like you said you're you're asking these people to come play something you design right like this is a story i'm writing and i hope you guys like it you're taking your time out of your day to do that and it, it's also then that's that's the responsibility but it's also a little bit the other way where it's like as a dm you guys are asking me to provide this to you right and so there's like sure. i said it's a little they have, they have a responsibility to come come to this game to be entertained to, to play, play yeah, to, participate. to yeah and so there's, it's that's why i say it's a little column a column b it's a responsibility on both parties like it's an equal trade it's like yes we're giving you our time in exchange you're to entertain us but in exchange of you entertaining us we are allowing you to drive a story that you write right like dming i always found the best dms to be good storytellers Keep the right. sorry, sorry. Keep the mic uh, in front of your face best you can. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. My bad. Is that better? Yeah, yep. It's, yeah. Just, it's just like uh, now. It's a cheap headset. I broke my other one. Um, like I said, the best DMs are good storytellers because they are there to they and they like to tell the story. They connect to that story, and so, like I said, there's a little responsibility from the players to show up to participate and engage in what the dm's saying and then there's also a little responsibility for the dm to provide them with something that they will find fun and entertaining you think that's you should weird? try like you don't in a D session you're not asking that may be the expectation that you have of the players who are participating um mm-hmm. have you ever had to i guess it's not oh well, i don't know if it's awkward but like have you ever had to be like hey yeah like they don't have to be there. You don't have to be there. Both parties are providing, the, are supposed to provide the part that they need to provide to make sure that the game continues. Have you ever asked, hey guys, like, do you mind focusing? Like, do you feel, have you ever had that moment where you have to, <laughs> it's so weird though, because it's all voluntary and it's supposed to be right. friends hanging out. So you're like, guys, focus up, you know, like, um, let's get this moving, you know, that type of thing. Or, 
um you know maybe you want more players in your game and you said hey make sure to tell your friends like maybe it's not yeah. the same thing but like hey can you spread the word or invite people and and because like for me as a streamer i feel weird to say hey guys i'm small i'm a very small streamer can you please send this out to your friends but what if they don't want to send like what if it's not good enough yet right so what if I'm not good enough yet as a as an entertainer or provider of content for them to, to share it? So like, no, I like you, but like I don't want to send this to my friends because I don't think it's they'd just be like, Yeah, what is this? You know, type of thing. Like, have you ever been in that situation? Uh I have been so the first part of that I will address, which is the whole trying to I call it rein in the players. Um Yes, I have had to kind of try to focus the group because again, there's that mutual group that we're here to play D, right? And I'm all for people laughing, joking, da 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 da. But you also are driving in D and D, what I call those those memorable moments, right? Like you want people to talk about it. So it's sometimes you have to be as the DM that kind of guy. It's like, hey guys, something important. We're we're trying to play. Let's let's focus up on this, and then we'll get through it, right? Like, and right. and and it, and it depends on the players. Um, it happens rarely, but it does happen. You know what I mean? Because again, that's expectation of you guys are showing up. We're here to play D and D. Now, granted, again, it's always for fun. There should never be an expectation of you guys will do what I tell you. But that's the agreement we've kind of said. I have provided you the story. You agreed to play the story. Right. Uh, and then to the other one, which was the telling your friends, right? Um. Because that's weird. To me, that's so weird. To And this is it's like this thing where you're like, man, you, you sit there and like, not that this happens all the time. And I'm not complaining about anybody. I'm not pointing anybody out. It just happens from time to time where you want to, you have uh -huh. these moments where you're like, you're like, oh man, like you should be so much bigger. Or like, oh man, you should have so many more views. And you just want to go, like, dude, I, I love that, that you feel that way. Like, I feel that way sometimes. I try not to because I think ego gets in the way. And if you, all you hear is positive things and you think you're better than maybe you really are, but then you go, you know, like, have you, have you shared it? Like, that's one of the best ways to get more eyes on is, like, sending it out, like, sending links to your friends, yeah. like, promoting it um, on your Twitter or something, whatever, you know, whatever it may be. And it's – I feel so weird asking that. But then, you you know, you listen to big shows – um, I don't know if Critical Role does it. That's just the best example I have of, of a, a clearly extremely successful D and D content, yes. uh, the most successful on Twitch. And uh, I don't know if they do it, but like the biggest podcast, for example, they all go, "Hey, don't forget to review us. Go there, do this, share it, share it, share it." And part of me, a little part of me, is like, oh, "I feel so cringy. Like I don't want to. I don't want to be the person asking for, hey, look at me. Tell your friends, look at me, like." shower this stuff on but that's also the best way to get the word out and like some people just flat out like forget and it's not malicious it's not you know like they it takes a second to to subscribe follow retweet whatever but it takes so much more effort to like send it to somebody like hey can you do this type of thing and i just i feel weird but i i don't i didn't know if you felt that way like for your sessions if that's something that even comes up uh, trying to include more people or even you as a player like what if you as a player are in a game and the dm isn't really up to snuff like how do you 
you know, as so, a DM, like, how, do you say anything? Do you stand back, let them try to figure it out? You go, hey guys, this was fun. I'm out of here. Like, you answer your fake phone call and say, I gotta go. <laughs> uh, no, I text you to call me. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, um, so to the whole asking people from the little bit apply. of streaming, I don't know, I don't know. Right, and the little bit I've seen, it is awkward because you're like, you. To me, it feels like you're like, hey, I should should subscribe. Blah, blah, blah. It's like it's like you see the videos of the girls going, you don't have the people on Twitch going, you don't have five dollars to subscribe. What are you doing with you? Like, you don't have five dollars, and you're like, yeah. I don't want. You're like, that's the problem. It's like you don't, I don't want to be that. Right. No, that's that's for sure an extreme. I think. And right. That person. I you know I don't know that person. That's a pretty low moment. Unfortunately, yeah. I think if you stream long enough, you're gonna catch low moments like that. But that was pretty gross. Yeah, um, and, and, and like I said, you don't want to become that. So right, it's right. So you so you're always like t- feel like you're towing a line where you're like, and and the big thing also, I think. Um, in that scenario is nobody likes to beg people to pay attention to them, right? It's very narcissistic to do that, in my opinion. Right, right. And so if you're not narcissistic, it feels very awkward because everything also, look at growing up, right? Like, 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 look at us going through school and stuff. In school, we're taught not to do that, right? In school, we're taught very much to not, like, I don't want to say whore ourselves out for attention because that's very bad, but like act out for attention or try to get people's attention. Like we're taught to not do that. And so it's a very awkward feeling. Um, in the D and D world, I've never had to beg or ask for people like to join that campaign. A lot of times it's players going, Hey, my buddy heard we're playing. Do you mind taking on more people? And it's most of the time I always say, yes, I do have personally, uh have a hard cap at like seven or eight players and that has mostly to do with logistics it gets really hard to go through certain things because you do that many players in person, right uh i have one online group that once we finish this campaign that's the tuesday group that i'm gonna introduce them to my world and my campaign uh we do online but we're talking about meeting in person uh my thursday group that i've been going to since i was i don't know like the last five six years um that's in person and that's that's mostly been in person except for during covid um and so that that's just my thing there and then the whole if i'm in a game with a bad dm uh I, no i will never say something during the session uh i might mention like hey i saw you were trying to kind of do this maybe take this as an idea maybe try this or i would offer suggestions because I think personally, it's easy to be a player that criticizes a DM because you're like, you're supposed to entertain me, that kind of relationship, right? And I think it takes a lot to be a DM because you have to expose part of yourself, right? It's the same thing with streaming. You have to expose yourself and be, I don't want to say vulnerable. Vulnerable is the wrong word, but you have to be open and just let it all out. And it, and that can be scary for some people. They can be really shut off and really hard for them to do that. So I think it takes an immense amount of bravery to step into that role. Because not only that, but you're also taking on the responsibility, like you said, to entertain people. And so I don't ever want to be a player that's like, uh, 
you're sucking, you're doing this wrong, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? I don't ever want to be that guy. So I might offer suggestions. Um, I have definitely been in campaigns with bad DMs. And a lot of the times I'd like to say that I try to stay in the game and stay focused and enjoy it. But I'd be lying. I definitely, if I hate a campaign and stuff, I zone out really bad. I'll fiddle on my phone. And that's not okay. But also, it, it, it is what it is. You, I, but I don't ever actually, I don't think I've ever actually left the campaign because of a bad DM. I've, I've always kind of stuck through it because the other things you can do as players is you can, you guys can change how that DM does things. Like, you, if you guys at the player base are not having fun and you want to do stuff else, start, you guys can kind of, you know, it's like that mob mentality. You can kind of start forcing different changes if you want. Uh, I've been fortunate. I've also heard her horror stories of players having to leave games because of DM that were just terrible. But, you know, it is what it is. That's just life, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I've been fortunate, I think, in my D&D career that I haven't had that major issue. Is D&D the... Would you call it a tabletop? Uh, yes. I would. I would, I would call it a tabletop, essentially. Do you think it's the greatest tabletop ever made? Ooh. Ooh. Um, do I think it's the greatest tabletop ever? I don't... I want to say it's the most consistent tabletop ever made. I don't know if it's the greatest, because... Um, I personally like some other systems and other tabletops over it. Um, but I think it's the most accessible and easiest tabletop ever made for people to just easiest. pick up and play. Yeah, it's very it's very like you can pick up the three main books, which is the player's handbook, the DM's guide, and the monster manual, and you can play D D. Players will have questions. That's fine. Everything is there. There's not a whole lot that you interpret. There's not. It's very accessible. It's very simple on a D20 system. Everything kind of. It's 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 the where everyone should start, in my opinion. Right. It's very accessible to people. Anybody say, can pick up and start and play D. I will say when we were doing the online stuff, that was very simple to get started. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 simple it's easy all the resources are there and like i said so greatest i don't know if i'm qualified to make that decision but i would say it's probably the most accessible tabletop out there yes especially online with the resources being free i'm pretty sure right uh um, play for free i'm talking about beyond dnd beyond and dnd beyond so dnd beyond is Free quotation mark. I don't remember paying for anything. Because I paid for it. Oh. I, when I bought. Don't worry about it. How much was it? Don't you worry about it. How much was it? We're not not having this conversation. Um, So you have to buy the books on D&D Beyond and then share them with your friends and all that stuff. So I, as a DM, have always been like, I will try to bring as many of the tools necessary that are a necessity to play the game with, right? I've 
And so when we were going to play online, I bought all the books. I bought everything we needed. And I was fine with that because also I, I, I like having it. In fact, wow. in my room right now, I have special editions of the D&D books that are unopened. Also, <laughs> like because also this, the D&D physical books are some of the coolest art. I'm going to call them art books because that's what they are. Like, I remember in high school, man, like we, I, I did these, uh, I was in debate in high school and you'd have, they called them lockouts, I think. And mm -hmm. it'd be one high school, like a central high school. It's actually pretty wild, like a pretty wild event. Basically you get there at like 8am and you'd be locked in the school until like 10pm because it was, mm -hmm. everyone was supposed to just work on debate stuff. But you get all this downtime because you're not, because you're, Let's be honest, you're fucking 15 years old. And you're not going to sit there and look at the book all day. And so, like, there's this guy. I think you remember him. His name was Taylor. Taylor, yes. You remember Taylor? Yeah. I played in a D&D campaign of his. Recently? No, not recently. That was way back. Okay. I I'd love to talk to that guy again because he always had D&D stuff. And he walked me through, like, character creation. And actually, his house... Actually, your house, let's be honest, was basically the first place I played most games. But his house was the first game I played uh, not um, – it must be Oblivion is what I'm thinking of. Okay. Elder Scrolls Oblivion. And remember he almost cut off his hand? I do remember he almost cut off he his hand. He almost cut off his hand. Yeah, How crazy yeah. is that? Yeah. And uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion can burn to the ground. I hate that game. Yeah. I hate it. I played Oblivion at his place. But, um, yeah, he he – he had like this big collection of D and D books in high school, and like I remember this vividly. Remember this tournament, this debate tournament, lock in thing, and we had downtime, and he would just whip out like five or six books, and he just wanted people to play, so he would just hand out character sheets. And I swear, okay, I'm gonna make a comparison. Okay, I don't know if you're gonna like it or not. Creating a D and D character has this has a very similar rush as drafting a fantasy football team oh yeah I've, yeah 100 i agree with that 100 because the joke is that fantasy football is just D, &D for jocks it is 100 yeah it's a lot I, of I, gambling which i don't know if D, D has like much gambling aspects outside of rolling dice which could be considered right the whole system is a gamble right because you're playing you're rolling dice to do things numbers. so you're right yeah percentages mathematics yeah, yeah it's it's if, yeah. I swear if fantasy football fans all if they just created characters, I feel like there'd be a lot more TNT fans and players oh. because it's the same it's the same rush. Like but Taylor like showed me all these books. He had so all these books, man, and they were big and they were all like all the art was crazy and you had these super comp what seemed like complicated sheets even back then. Um mm -hmm. I wonder where that guy is. Uh yeah no I I I probably living life right being happy I hope Hopefully. so I liked him man yeah. he's always nice to me Taylor, crazy Taylor was smart. a good guy yeah like I said I, I I've been over to his house I played D and D at his house his mom was great super nice yeah. family yeah I, Taylor was great Taylor Taylor was was, was good people was good yeah, people, was good people. I, part of the reason I passed calculus oh yeah I never took calculus. I took AP Calculus, and him oh. and another guy named Michael are the reason I passed that class. I only took AP History. I, I wish I would have taken more AP classes. I, dude, History was cool. AP History was cool. It's basically just history podcasts. 
for an hour every other day. Oh yeah, uh, AP calculus by like February we took the AP test and our teacher looked at us and went, "I'm done." We're like, "What?" He goes, "You took the AP test. But I don't have anything else to teach you. You have a free period." And we played Risk all the time. <laughs> Wait, did you play in study hall? Well, in study hall was in it the actual in the cafeteria? class. No, yeah, study hall. Class. Study hall was always in the cafeteria, but like I said, after we took the AP test, our actual class for calculus was just free period. I played risk against Mr. Everyhill like three days in a row. Who just hilariously looks like Taylor. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. I hope that guy's uh, there's, well. Me too. There's, there's, I hope he is. I, I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be. Like, like I said, he was super smart, but he did almost cut off his own hand. That's crazy. He showed me the scar. I was like, dude, what? How is this yeah. still connected? This is nuts. And he couldn't, he couldn't like grip. Not really, no. Yeah. yeah, it was just a, it was, that was weird. His hand, he had such thin wrists. Yeah, yeah, yeah he did. <laughs> I don't know, I remember that. Uh, but little, yeah, no, little things remember. I remember those books, so I'll call them art because that's what they are. The illustrations are crazy. I really hope AI doesn't mess with the, the artists that draw for like card games, D&D, things like that. I think they will, but uh, I hope they don't. It will. Uh, there's no way to prevent that. Uh, why because so personally i can say i have used ai to draw things yeah for for my D campaign oh we just did weird stuff like uh i actually have it open right now you know mine's because i have no artistic talent whatsoever so i was like i need a visual image of this guy so let me use ai you know it I think AI is going to do a lot of good, but there's going to be bad there, right? Like, it's going to affect artists. It just has to. There's no way to prevent that. The hope is that companies don't start going, well, I'll just use AI. I'll oh, yeah. AI. That's already happened, though. That's why the writers right. are on strike. All the, all the major writers for the major... Yeah, yeah. The major, yeah, yeah. And, can... and the hope... Go ahead. And you hope that people, that the masses start going, we can tell this is AI-driven, we want artists back. I don't right? think they can. <sighs> I mean, you... maybe they can now, but in 10 years, there's no way. Right, right. There, I, I, again, I, and I'm not an artist, so I, I can't speak too highly on this, but you know, it, it's, it's the future, man. I, I, I hate to say it, but it's like, think about um, people who used to do something before technology ran them out of business. I don't know. I'm trying, I'm drawing a blank, but it's just, that's the nature of the game, right? Like eventually DMs will, if we're going to bring this no. 100 back to, to D&D, eventually DMs might get their way moved out. Because okay. Think about this. Think about this. Early computer games, all text-based. Yeah. yeah. Which is, well, I guess it's not AI because it was programmed to answer in one Correct. way or the other. But you're now going to have adaptive DMs, AI, an AI DM who can change. Okay. They will change the story and the quest in real time based on your actions, and it's not pre-programmed. Right. Oh. Scary, right? Like, but again, it's But it could progress. be cool. Yeah, like I, I think it's like 
it could be progress. And what it, I think it comes down to is just... But progressing doesn't mean that, like, it's more than it used to be. Progressing Correct. in that sense, for, to me, just means you're progressing forward in terms of, like, development of technology or whatever. But it doesn't mean... I think sometimes people use progress as, like, it's a positive step forward because what we were doing before is worse. I don't know that AI is for this type of stuff. I don't know what it's going to do for positive things. I don't know if it's going to do anything for healthcare. I don't know if it's going to do anything for transportation. It might. Hopefully that's progress. I don't know in this sense if this is necessarily progressive in a good way because AI is going to mess with a lot of people's livelihoods. Agreed. Agreed. But all, what we're getting into now is the fundamentals of society, right? Is I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm, not ready. <laughs> I'm just saying, like that's what you're kind of diving into. Is as AI grows, as this new technology grows and becomes more available, society has to change and adapt, right? Think about cars. You go back a hundred years; not everyone could own a car, so freeways and speed limits and all that weren't really a thing. But as as more people can own cars and own cars and own cars. You know, okay, now we have to change how we do things. Look at school. Go back before the age of computers and the internet. And now that society has to adapt the fact that the internet's a thing, right? Can't have barroom conversations anymore because everyone look everything up on their phone. So the hope there is that as AI grows, society adapts to have it benefit us mostly. There will always be negative outcomes from moving forward in progressive of technology and all that stuff. But it is what it is. I think right now, personally, we're going to bring this 360 back to DD so we don't go too deep here. Uh, having AI will be great. It'll help the DM. It'll help people realize their vision. I think AI-generated art, as yes, it will negatively impact artists, will also get people who don't have the artistic ability they want to maybe design and show something. Is that good? Is that bad? Who knows? I don't. I am just a dude who, you know, it will sits behind a computer screen. It will definitely contribute to speed, um, like speed of production on a lot of things. Maybe what happens, people who can do original art become even more valuable. Yeah, you say, yeah, maybe. I don't want this AI bullshit. I will pay top dollar for a hand-drawn thing. And it becomes, it's kind of like we had this giant tech boom, right? Age of the mm -hmm. internet. You've got all these tech jobs. Everyone's learning how to code. Now you see a lot of people cutting those same jobs. And now you see this rise in value for someone who can drain a toilet. Someone who oh, knows yeah. how to wire an, an electrical outlet. So like the pendulum comes back and now these jobs that you weren't supposed like these job these like service um jobs that were seen as lesser in our age when we were growing up in high school and mm -hmm. you're like you got to go to college to have a degree to have any kind of value but now it's like you see this pendulum come back a little bit and it's like dude you can be you an can electrician make, be an electrician to make six figures. Right. You can be a plumber. You can, you can be a truck car, driver and do very well right now. You can do right. very, very well as a truck driver. 
Yeah, it, 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 and that that that's that societal change, right? Like yeah. society adapted to the internet and was like, oh, we can all do this, but we forgot about this. And now we're kind of swinging, like you said. Right. And I think the same thing's going to happen with AI when it comes to art, with D and D, other th- mediums. Is the pendulum is swinging in AI's favor because it's new, it's shiny, it's helpful, everyone likes it. And then I think there comes back a swing. I think what we'll see personally is artists. I think, and this is just my opinion, and I'm not an artist, so if I'm wrong here, have somebody you know make a comment that uh, not Ghost Stories Discord to correct me. I think we're going to start seeing more artists with copyrights, right? Like, yeah. I, if I de- if I design this character and I hand draw them, and this is the thing, copyright it, right? I th- I think that's where that's we're gonna see that pendulum swing and then i think it will swing back and everything kind of mellow out but i again and i'm not an artist so i could be wrong here i don't know man i don't even know how to imagine that because i want to say artists trademark their work now right if it's when i think art artists i I guess i don't have like a singular definition because you could be someone who's selling paintings in new york in some auction or you can be like oh here's my sketchbook i'm gonna just post pictures of it on reddit and like i say yeah like can you trademark i guess you you trademark stuff now i think you can i i think again not an artist um but i think like people who want to sell paintings for a living and sculptures and stuff like that are still going to be in the market that they are in because to me that's a luxury. Yeah, right? right? Okay. Okay. So those those people I think are still going to be in that market where AI is going to affect things are the digital animators, digital artists and stuff like that and and you hope the hope is that it just becomes a tool that those people can use to generate art and it doesn't run them out of business. Which is interesting. So you think about how long artists have been relevant. So if I'm a painter, how long is how long is famous painting how long have famous paintings been famous for? And every year there's a new painter. Like I'm not plugged into that world, but people who can paint well and whatever, you know, Illuminati group controls the value of art, because you know there's one somewhere. The Illuminati group. You know what I'm saying though? Like you know there's some group somewhere that's like this person's gonna be famous, we decide their art's valuable because art is subjective. So it's like, oh, oh, but the oh, people who can pay well, right? They still yeah. have value. They they've had value for thousands of years and maybe they retain that going forward yeah. because for some reason, okay, now we have AI. We're in the future. Everything's super advanced. AI can do anything. But I still think someone who could paint a sunset well is like, I think that's valuable. You still retain value right, in some way. Until we build robots and you get Skynet, and AI can't paint. And there is something to say about that. Because the same thing can be said about music, right? What, what, what happens when AI takes over the airwaves? You, That's a whole different avenue, do you right? I think the values like humans are they make mistakes. So there's you could ask AI to generate an, a perfectly like a perfect image, but there's no flaws. Whereas like human art has flaws which makes it better somehow. Like you know you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree like, with you. I'm saying. asking there's... for a perfect I'm asking for an AI generated image 
of a sunset. It to me, everything's gonna feel very even, and it's gonna look like at least for now, it looks AI generated. But if I ask a human person to paint it, you know, there's all there's all these imperfections, and I feel like maybe that's maybe that's good. Maybe that's the value. Yeah, I, I can't remember where it's from, but I definitely remember like a, a, a sci-fi show talking about like sci-fi show or movie talking about one of the lines was the reason we value human things over AI is because they're flawed and it's that flaw that makes it beautiful. Right. right? Like, like that sunset that AI drew through is beautiful, but it's too perfect. Whereas right, the one like that's cheesy. Dr- it's lame. Yeah. Cause it's too good. Right. Where the one that was painted by Becky, she's in a name painted by Becky. She is a little too much orange here. No one will ever be able to recreate that, right? The stuff that humans create when it comes to art that's hand-drawn and hand-painted. It's imperfect. And, and, and even digitally hand-done, right? Because, like, you can do digital paint and stuff like that. It's imperfect. There will be flaws that those people make that people, other people won't make trying to make the same image. And I think that's what makes it beautiful, right? Like, because... To us, that's what draws us to art, right? Art is about evoking an emotion. But I would agree with that. I, 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 I for one, and I'm just saying this out here, so all the Alexas and future AIs hear this. Welcome our new robot overlords. I'm yeah, on your get side. That, get that out there on the internet now. Make sure. Yeah, yeah. So when, scrub it later. Yeah, when they scrub through, they're like, "That guy's a sympathizer. He gets to live." You know, I don't want to be turned into a battery for the. Mix. Damn, I don't even know how we got here. We took a tangent. <laughs> but we're talking about like just the artwork for like, D&D, the D&D books. Magic yeah. Gathering, things like that. Yeah. I mean, I, dude, on the outside looking in, if you don't even understand what the game is, that's, to me, that's such a integral part of uh, those worlds. Agreed. And, and just to kind of bring that back and all that is... is D&D for me is a a way to bring people like to a table, like people from different lives, right? Like it's you're all there to play like it's like video games, right? It's it's the pre in my opinion it's the precursor to online MMOs, right? It's this you all share an interest in this world or in this story and you're all coming together to do it. And I think AI can help with that immensely, but I also can see the danger. But wouldn't it be kind of fun to do an AI-led campaign? So couldn't it, we couldn't that be cool? Where you, everyone, you know, there's ten people in a room, and you just say, mm-hmm. "Hey, write us out a responsive two-hour campaign where every person's turn they have three minutes. Here are the number of players, um, and you load in like." eight possible scenarios but maybe that's not truly ai but i don't know how to imagine it so so based on i mean go ahead uh so we tried this what (laughs) with chat gpt okay chat gpt yeah yeah yes uh and it ran us a little session and it was very it's not there yet but it but but it does show it does show the potential that 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 you never have to have the for the God forbid forever DM, right? You you for if you ever play D you'll hear about this in the 
the forever DM, the guy that never gets to play D&D, always has to run D&D. So maybe AI will give him that opportunity to play. So maybe it's a good thing. I, again, for one, welcome AI and all of its glory. It's, it's going to be amazing for segments of people, and it's absolutely going to ruin other segments of people. Just like Great. with every piece of technology that comes out. Agreed. And no one, I think the weird part with AI is no one, everyone's trying to predict. They're looking on it, and it's affected some people a little bit early. But I just don't know if we truly know where everything's going to fall yet. And so it's it's a little, I'm a little anxious. The, I'm a little anxious yeah. to see, because I'm like sitting there going, well, that couldn't affect my job, right? I can't imagine how it would do my job yet, but it, but maybe it could. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, think about, like uh, like I said, you always could go look at the turn of the century, the turn of the 1900s. You go look at jobs where people are like, there's no way a computer can do what I do. Well, now it can, right? Like, there's no way a, a computer can build a car. Some jobs. Can build a, well, like, look at, look, at, look at just the auto industry for that, right? No one can build cars. Robot can't do my job. Uh, look at Detroit. Like, robots are doing their jobs, right? Like, it's scary, but like I said, I think it ultimately comes down to, as, as a society, we just hope that we all adapt to it in a positive manner. Whether it's for D&D, whether it's for gaming, whether it's for your job, or whether it's for artwork. Just hope that you, uh, like a D&D, you're bringing it full circle. Uh-huh. You, you hope that everyone just takes the tools that they are given and adapts and does the best possible outcome for the group. Dude, what if AI robots took over tattoo shops? That'd be interesting. That, that's, that'd be interesting. I don't know. I, I'll be honest. honest. If the tattoo shop said we're using an AI robot, I'd go. You just do to it. Say I got it. Yeah, I that's do what I'm it. saying. But maybe again, maybe this is one of those things, right? Where uh, uh, tattoo artists are artists, and there's flaws in their work, and but you also think about tattoos. How long have tattoos been around? Very long time. Oh. Very very long time. In I think all forms. And you go. Yeah. So maybe they are artists, and well, they are artists, right? Hundred percent. And maybe that's just one of those things that like skates under the radar that doesn't, you know, no matter how much technology's come out, people still get tattoos and they still get a hand done. The the tools that they deliver that have changed, clearly. Um, but it's still someone bent over somebody else with a needle in some form. Right. Well, um, you can kind of look at now, right? People we have the tattoo guns, right? Right. It's kind of an idea. It's got a motor. But people, but people still go and get traditional tattoos with sure. the kind of needle and tapping. Sure. sure. So I think there will always be an avenue for artists. I think the, the, with the advent of AI-driven industry and all that, it's going to start making artwork and artists more of a luxury thing than a daily job. Right. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? We'll find out. We will, in our lifetime, God forbid, see that, where that, because in 30 years, AI is going to be very much integrated into every day, and it's going to be very interesting to see what that looks like. Um, um, I agree. Or, let me, let me throw something out at you here, or we take every sci-fi story ever written, and in 10 years, we have a war with AI. 
mm-hmm. and we get rid of it, right? Like the like you know what I mean? Like every sci-fi show, show or movie or any setting, there's always been a war with AI. Always. <laughs> <laughs> and I I hate I don't want that to happen, but I'm just saying it's Dude. kind of a common thing. What if content idea? What if you had AI? Design. How many de- uh, cards are in a Magic: The Gathering deck? Uh, depends on the format, but we'll say sixty for now. What if you had AI create two decks of card? You ask AI to create sixty Magic cards based on Magic: The Gathering, create two different decks, and then you play people with AI generated. That'd be interesting. I think that'd be really cool. I think that'd be really that- sick. That be that could be really cool. Be really really it's, sick. It has it has potential. We're not there yet, but I I do think that see that's the type of stuff that I'm just trying to, I mean, trying to think of like how AI is going to affect gaming. I don't know how much of it's going to affect gaming on the side of playing games, like as a, as a consumer, um, unless it's something that's interactive, like you know like a text based game, which is the you know some of the earliest stuff. Uh, um, I- it's definitely going to help the, the people who create them. Oh, 100%. And I think it'll make gaming better, in my opinion. Just because computer, like, think about when you play games. Like, a lot of people talk about how the AI or the computer-generated enemies or bad guys don't feel don't feel good, right? Like, they're not making decisions. Just look at, like, Redfall, for instance. One of the recent games, one of the biggest complaint about that people were like the AI is just dumb. It was bad, right? And so AI can fix that. You could think about that as a player. You could play against a truly human AI player, right? Like you could have that challenge without having to fight people. It'll be interesting. I think it'll be. Well, I mean, like an an AI enemy that acts like. Think about that. Like think about Call of Duty where. All the enemies are fighting do the smartest decision and the best decision, like a, a human. Oh my god! Reactive enemies in a game. Yeah. Not. Oh, dude, what? <laughs> How do you win? These are the How questions that we'll have to answer. How do you win the game? These are the questions we'll have to answer in twenty years. So you enter the you enter the mission, and the enemies are all. AI controlled, and they they react and interact with you based on the decisions that you make as the game. Yeah. Oh boy. Think about think about RPG and what AI could mean for them. Okay. That would be. Okay. What if? So based on your decisions, AI is going to affect the NPCs. In a way, are not NPCs anymore. It's the AI is a player, so a- mm-hmm. APCs, a- AI player, AI player, AI, AI controlled character, <laughs> ACC, <laughs> ACCs, okay, okay. AI controlled character, ACCs. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's say, okay, let's say you play a game like uh, where you log off. But mm-hmm. the game still runs in the background. So if you come back to the game, stuff stuff has happened. What if the AI knows that you log off 
between these times and does all the uh-huh. bad shit to you during those times because it knows you that, can't do anything. That's not even a thought I want to think about. <laughs> that's the thought of like computers becoming smarter. But that's that. what ha- like. But that's could happen. But right? like, but like, I I think of like let's let's take a game like an RTS, right? Or like Total War, where you fight every battle and you tend to do this same thing ever. Eventually, what if they learn? Which would make the game good. Right. So that that's where I see AI gaming specifically doing great. And, and making gaming better, making things yeah. more entertaining. But again, there will always be a negative outcome. But what if, how what, did if we, what if it how did, <laughs> how did we get here? <laughs> I don't know, man, it's the nature of the pod. That's why I love doing this stuff. Like we never would have gotten here otherwise. I don't know. Uh, uh, uh. Man. Yeah, I'm thinking of you're playing an RTS. What if AI could read your inputs, like patterns of inputs? That'd be cheating. That's not okay. Okay. So maybe that's the limit then. But like how But it can react to what you're doing, right? I know. Right? Like you like, never play against other people. Think about civilization. Oh, it's too oh dude, it's that game's already hard enough. Right, but now the the AI can react, make decisions, do certain things, and and the other big thing about this is they can do all this without your input. That's what I'm saying. Right, and that's that's crazy to me. That's a world that like, right, like like you're playing the game. There's a big baddie, right, and you're doing all these things. Like think like Mass Effect, right? Mass Effect. Uh, there's the big guys. You make a decision. I want to get rocket launcher guys. All right. Well, now later on, the AI learns to have these rocket launcher guys and changes and adapts its own stuff to counter it. And then you have to go back and figure, oh, my God, my brain hurts. Yeah, but you would still have to make the game beatable. So maybe you could limit. Oh, yeah, you could. Yeah, definitely. But you don't have to. Think about Elder Scrolls, oh, uh, Elder Scrolls, uh, Elden Ring, and 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 Dark Souls. Like those games are beatable, yes, but they're hard, and you just have a game that's like. But they're beatable, right? It, so it, but it, it allows you to I, learn to eventually overcome. If it was, I feel like AI. If you said, try not to lose. Within the confines of the game, of I don't, I don't know. If it, <laughs> this hurts. My- Right, it's like, but again, I think we should uh, stop going down the rabbit hole of AI just because it's not there yet. Right, we we are trying to wrap our heads around a concept of a of a science fiction version of AI, which is just human, right? And so it's going to hurt our brains to try to figure out how <laughs> the game would work because we're we're thinking of it as like the game's still got to be entertaining. Well, what if the, that's how you get that's how you get Skynet? We have ran into it how you get Skynet. Well, some some AI trying to beat you in an RTS, it becomes Skynet and wipes out. And it comes, it comes to the conclusion that if I kill every human on the planet, he can't play me anymore. Therefore, I win. Oh, dude, I'm not ready. I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's our time. That's, we're right. We're uh, we're actually over an hour at this point. But yeah. Um, wow, I'm uh I'm tired. Um, yeah. 
Thank you for being here again. Of course. Let the people know where they can find you. If you want people to find you, if not, no worries. Um, you could, I can drop your Discord tag, I guess, or what's yeah, if people you can drop you? it. You can drop my Discord tag. I am on Twitter. I never check it, but I am there. Uh, I don't really. I, I am on Facebook. I uh, no. I, I don't know. No. Ooh. No. Yeah. No. Uh, I'm not. I don't. Like now that you brought this up, I feel I don't really have that big of a social media presence. That's what I was saying. Like, you you don't you you make content. When I say I say make content, but you are a content creator that doesn't go online. So you know, yeah, do a lot of stuff offline and, and participate that. And um, but I want to say thank you for being here and thank you for taking the time. And uh, we'll definitely do it again. Um, this has been Creators Unplugged Podcast, Season Three, Episode One, starting us off uh, pretty heavy on the uh, the AI chat. But uh, thanks again, man, and uh, we will catch you on the next one. All right.